The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. Duo. Hello from our Pet Buzz studios here on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. You know, it's really interesting because I was thinking about this. And you and I have talked about this a few times. Even though the country really hasn't celebrated a lot of holidays, COVID has just kind of wiped out all the holidays, right? It sure has. So I still find a way to celebrate with the pooches. And that is not only to kind of decorate the house with a little theme or a thing that says Happy Easter or something like that, but I buy and eventually store seasonal pet toys. So this month, the crew, the dogs and the cat have been playing with shamrocks, (laughs) green beers, leprechaun hats, and my favorite, a pot of gold, which Mm. I love. And, you know, they but I have to tell you, their favorite toy is the shamrock. So I I really hope that brings them a lot of luck. And, you know, soon, I guess, you know, St. Patrick's Day obviously has happened this past week. But I'll I'll wash the toys and I'll store them away. And then, of course, I'll bring out the Easter toys, you know, and of course, uh, a few uh, Jewish toys for Passover because Passover is coming up just like Easter. So. What I'm going to say is I I like the Easter selection because just like you, the dogs love their peeps. Hmm. So if you don't know, they now make peeps dog toys. Hmm. Okay, and that's kudos to my friend Debbie Viney, who is a big peep fan. Okay, so whether it's like I said, in toys or costumes, I can't wait to show you guys the photos. They're hilarious. Okay. Other than the Easter Bunny, we've got our peeps chicken and our peeps rabbit. So you're going to enjoy it. But now let's kick off the weekly pet buzz with our favorite part of the show, the countdown. So in four, in segment four, one of our favorite guests, certified feline behaviorist, Beth Edelman answers your cat question. Three in seg three, ASPCA's veterinarian, Dr. Tina Wismer. She joins us to talk about March as Poison Prevention Month. And in two, here in the Celebrity Pet Buzz, I dish about celebrities and their pets. And in Flex Facts, I talk about common canine health problems. Yes, you do. And in segment one, who's a good boy? Who's a good girl? That high-pitched voice and exaggerated emotion when interacting with the dog will get you a long way, scientists say. So joining us to talk about the way we speak to our dog friends is Dr. Alex Benjamin, Associate Lecturer, Department of Psychology at the University of York. Welcome to the Pet Buzz. Hi, thank you for having me. So Dr. Benjamin, what is dog speak or dog-directed speech and how can it help us strengthen our relationships with our dogs? So dog-directed speech is the type of speech that we use when we talk to our dogs. So you might have heard people saying, you're such a good boy would you like to go for a walk and that kind of high-pitched uh, exciting emotional sound that we tend to use when we talk to dogs uh, is very uh, it contrasts really nicely with the type of speech that i'm using with you right now which is adult directed speech which is a lot more kind of boring and monotone so we use this type of speech with our dogs um, we think that it helps them to pay attention to us and we've also shown in our recent experiment that it also helps um, to facilitate social bonding with humans as well 
Well, I was going to ask you about that. So is dog-directed speech similar to infant-directed speech? And do they have the same benefits as a result? So infant-directed speech is obviously the type of speech that we use with babies. Um, and this also has similarities with dog-directed speech in that it, it tends to have high pitch. It tends to be very uh, sort of moderated. So you tend to go high and low with the pitch, um, as well as it being highly emotional. And now we know from lots of previous research that infant-directed speech is really important for helping our babies to learn language. Uh, so it exaggerates the native vowel sounds of their, of their language um, to help them to learn how to talk. Uh, it's also important for identifying uh, appropriate social partners. So it helps babies to, uh, to bond with the mother, the father, the extended family and caregivers. Uh, we think that dog-directed speech is important for the social aspect, but obviously we're not trying to teach our dogs to learn language, although I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I always find when you see a baby and you go, oh, like, oh, you rub his belly and all of a sudden the baby smiles. I think it's kind of similar when you talk to your, you know, it's like, mommy loves you, mommy loves you. I used to tell my bird that and my dogs that. And they get all excited in their butt wiggles. So I understand what you're saying. And I see the benefits. I just feel the love, you know, emulating. Not such a long time ago, you conducted a study about dog-directed speech. Tell us about it. And how was it different from previous research? So some previous studies had done some um, experiments where they'd played dog-directed speech, so that silly voice, um, and adult-directed speech back to puppies and adult dogs. And they found that puppies paid more attention to dog-directed speech, but adult dogs didn't. But in these experiments, they had the, uh, the sounds coming from speakers and there was no person there who could actually be interacting with the dog. So in our experiments, we decided to see if this was um, still the case, if we had a more natural experiment where we had the um, individuals who were sitting in front of the dogs, they had the speakers on their laps and it sounded a lot more like the speech was actually coming from the people. Uh, and we found that when this was the case and there were people for the dogs to interact with, that dogs of lots of different ages uh, paid more attention to the person using dog-directed speech than the person using adult-directed speech. And also, at the end of the experiment, when we let the dogs off the lead, the dogs chose to spend more time with the person who had previously been using dog-directed speech. So it seemed like not only did this type of speech grab their attention, but it also made them want to play with them or bond with them uh, more than boring old adult-directed speech. I think that's so great because you see, I guess from your research, you see the love, you feel it, right? So, I mean, how can pet owners benefit from this information? So I think it's a good excuse for pet owners who already use dog-directed speech uh, to not perhaps feel so silly. If, they, if they're somebody who's been called out before for uh, talking to their dogs as if they're babies, um, actually now this gives you a good excuse for keeping on doing that and ignoring all the people that say that it's just a bit silly um, because it does seem to have some function with our pets. I think it's also worth mentioning here, however, that there are lots of ways that we bond with our animals. It's not just in the way that we talk to them. So if you are somebody who uses um, adult-directed speech with your dogs and doesn't tend to use those silly voices, that doesn't mean that your dog doesn't love you. Um, you know, we bond with our pets in lots of different ways, including taking them for walks, um, playing with them, giving them affection in lots of different ways. So we think that this is particularly useful for when bonding with an unfamiliar dog. So if you have a rescue dog or if your dog is going to the vet, perhaps, and they're particularly worried about going to the vet, this type of speech might give the dog a signal that uh, you're not a, a risk to them or you're not a danger or that you're there to comfort them. So this type of speech might be useful when you get a new dog to your house or when your dog's in an unfamiliar environment. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up because so many people here in the United States, I don't know about the UK, have literally in the last year and a half adopted dogs as companions during this COVID pandemic when they've been isolated alone. And because a lot of the dogs aren't puppies, there are a lot of older dogs. 
I think that it can be very useful when you're bonding with that dog once you bring them home. I'm wondering if it's true with cats, but at least with dogs, you know, people need to kind of continuously bond with these new pets they're bringing home. Should you encourage children to engage in dog-directed speech when talking with a new pet? So children are actually particularly good at uh, dog-directed speech or pet-directed speech, um, and they're also very good at um, talking to other children. So um, children will naturally perform infant and dog-directed speech when talking to animals. Um, So I don't think that there's there's much difference. Um, I I haven't done the research specifically on that, but I I would imagine that the same things are true with children and dog-directed speech. I guess a caveat to say there is that children should always be supervised when dealing with an animal, uh, particularly an unfamiliar animal. Um, You know, we don't want to be encouraging uh, children to go up to strange dogs in the street or dogs that are perhaps um, not going to be friendly to them and thinking that dog-directed speech is going to be a magic way of making friends with all animals, that's definitely not going to be the case. So um, I think it's it's uh, it definitely has its place. Uh, if you have a new puppy in the family or a new rescue dog and you want your children to bond with them, one of the ways that they could do that is through supervised um, activities where they are taught to use this soft um, uh, puppy-appropriate or dog-appropriate voice um, bearing in mind that children can tend to be very exciting for dogs. Um, so I think another thing to bear in mind is that they don't want to be too, doing too much squealing or too much high-pitched sure. excited noises because that can encourage the dog to get a little bit overexcited sometimes. And I think it's key that you mentioned supervision for, because probably about two months ago, uh, we had a doctor on who had done some research and they had deemed that there had been more dog bites with children during the pandemic than in the past 10 years. So I am so happy that you were able to join us and share. And I think this is really important research. We definitely going to follow up with you. We want to have you back. Well, anyway, to learn more about Dr. Alex Benjamin and her research, visit researchgate.net. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. I love two things, sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddies can be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet. 
Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Hey, glad you're back with us in segment two of the Pet Buzz. Let's talk a little bit about Celebrity Buzz. So I love talking about the Celebrity Buzz part of the show. We're going to start out today's pet gossip uh, session talking about Kate Hudson. So Kate Hudson has added a new fur kid to her family. What do you think? What kind of dog do you think she got? I have no idea. Okay. Well, the actress and Fabuletics founder has been fostering a pet pooch in hopes of fighting the Doberman. Wow. I wouldn't have expected no, that. No, neither would I. A Doberman, a new home, but she revealed she decided to keep the large dog. Not much is known about the large pup, including its name, but on an Instagram story, she posted the dog licking her face and captioned it, our foster fail. And Dobie mom. So Kate Hudson is not the only one to add a pet to her brood. It seems that John Travolta announced that his son, Ben, got a new cat. The actor shared the news by posting a picture of himself and his son. His son is named Ben and their new cat. Now, I got to tell you, Crystal, Crystal's like the name of a, an old, a silver fox's cat, right? An old silver fox, right? The little boy, he's 10. He's a cat named Crystal. He likes you. That's what he wants. I guess name. maybe they, so maybe right. the cat looks like cat's yeah. pretty. It's a rag doll. Yeah. Okay. So this one, this is a story that I really like because it just reminds us that a pet can change your life. Mm -hmm. And when I think about pets changing our life, I think about the old Star Jones. Well, you know, Star Jones back on the, on the, on right. the view, mm -hmm. how she couldn't like, she didn't like dogs. And when I used to do the show, Back in the day, Elizabeth Hasselback, who I loved, she loved my golden retriever Burberry. She's a huge dog lover. And I would be in the makeup room or be in the hallway. And Elizabeth would run down the hall. Star is coming. Get Burberry <laughs> out of the makeup room. Because there's one big makeup room and everyone gets made up in that place. And I'd go back into my little dressing room. Yeah. And I have to take it out before Star came in. But, you know, Star got a dog. It changed her life. So here's the deal. Remember NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace? Yes. He got a dog last year and he he was sharing in an article that his longtime girlfriend, Amanda Carter, wasn't really a, a dog person. So they got an Aussie doodle and he wasn't sure if his if his gal was going to take to the dog because she's never seemed too keen on dogs. But the dog is such a good dog that guess what? They're all they're both in love with the dog, with each other and the dog. And he says, just like a lot of us say. Sometimes it's hard to leave to go to work mm -hmm. because the dog is so awesome. Don't brings, you like hear that? And it brings up a great point. People that you think may not be pet lovers, give them the opportunity in the right situation. They all. Yeah. I mean, lovers. they've been home, you know, with the pandemic. And I thought it was cool. Bubba said it was hard to leave the dog mm -hmm. and that, you know, when he's gone, uh, Amanda, his girlfriend has to take care of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a uh, star because, you know, I've been in that situation, 
but she loves animals now and goes to animal things. She actually, as you know, she would take her dog to the Kentucky Derby. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a little bizarre, but kudos to Bubba Wallace and Amanda and, and their Aussie doodle. Okay. Now what you guys have been waiting for. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's going to take long. You got the time. Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today? Some of the most common health problems that our pets suffer from. Really? Okay. So health-related problems are part of our life and part of their life. Mm -hmm. Although it's something we'd rather avoid thinking about, it's important to educate ourselves about What conditions, illnesses, or diseases are out there for our furry family members? So let's start with cataracts. Something that uh, my dog... Something that Ty has right now. Right, exactly. Okay, so... Actually, all dogs over three years of age actually have them. Oh, okay. So, so, okay. So tell us about cataracts. This is a big one, especially when uh, with the older dogs. Okay. Cataracts for dogs, just like humans, can really affect the way we see and they see Mm -hmm. it's not only old age that will bring out these growths on the eyes. Mm -hmm. Often cataracts will develop after the eye has been through a trauma or can be caused by disease. Okay. So cataracts in dogs may even be present when the dog's first born. You told me about a French bulldog you saw that had cataracts. I did. Mm -hmm. I did. Or, Or may develop in the first few weeks of the puppy's life too. But just remember that, don't, don't feel badly if your dog has cataracts because all dogs to some degree have some cataract right. formation. And, pe- early and in people life. get them. Okay, so what else? Arthritis. Okay. Arthritis is very common amongst older dogs, just like older people. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that your dog is slower to get onto their feet, especially in the morning or in colder weather, and will be far less active than they used to be. It's often very hard to tell your dog is suffering from arthritis. Even though it's very painful, your dog doesn't always show much sign of complaint. Exercise, weight control, and anti-arthritic medications can all lead to helping your dog overcome the pains of arthritis. Now, ear infections, that is definitely a big problem. It's a, it's a, it's a bad one. And just remember, when you're treating ear infections, just think about this. Treat from the inside out, outside in. Ear infections are very common in dogs, especially in the dogs that spend a lot of time outside, often dirt, dust, or some other alien object like grass seeds can become lodged inside the dog's ear, causing it to become irritated and eventually infected. You'll know if your dog has an ear infection, if they're pawing at the ears a lot, eardrops, maybe antibiotics, which usually are prescribed by your, your vet, can help fight off these infections. Okay. Other good habits to get into are cleaning your dog's ear, but learn how to do it properly from your veterinarian. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay. Another big problem I, I see a lot is kennel cough. That's a common problem. Kennel cough. People say, why should I vaccinate my pet each year? It's important because we don't want to transmit or catch kennel cough. Okay. Kennel cough is very common amongst dogs that have been in the animal shelter, a vet hospital, or even pet accommodation places like a boarding like facility. a boarding facility okay or grooming facilities okay unfortunately it's not something that can really be avoided and in reality although kennel cough can sound bad it's equivalent to the common cold for us the best way to look after your pet with kennel cough is to give them rest and plenty of good food 
and water and I must say veterinary attention. Okay. You may be given antibiotics by your vet to knock it over or some cough medication. There's a number of different types of treatment protocol. Just ask your vet. But it's really a good idea to get the Bordetella shot. The important thing is, is that the Bordetella or the kennel cough or the infectious bronchitis shot, that's all the same thing. Please make sure it's administered at least once a year if you're exposed to a lot of pets every six months. Okay, that's great. So is there more? More? Diarrhea. 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 Okay. People think it's funny, but it's really wet and runny. Okay. Diarrhea is very common, largely because it can be brought on by a number of reasons. Okay. Sometimes it will just be caused by some bad food or maybe an allergic reaction. But in other cases, it can be more serious. Okay. Diarrhea is a common symptom for a number of more serious illnesses. So if your dog has a prolonged case, say more than a couple days Mm -hmm. of diarrhea, she or he may need to visit the vet. That's all the Flex Facts for the week. Okay. Well, to learn more about or hear the rest of Dr. Flex's list of common canine health problems, visit our social media channels. We're going to post that list up there. And more of the pet buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. As you know, the show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. It's genius. I like it. I love it. It's to die for. I like it. So let's kick off this segment with the I Likey of the Week. Well, we may not all be flocking to Disney these days because of COVID, but we have the unique opportunity to share our love of the place and its characters with our family pets. It seems that retailer Chewy just launched the Disney collection. Dr. Fluck, it's a line of 400 Disney pet products. Not 100, not 200, not 300, but 400, 400 Disney products pet products. The collection not only covers classic Disney characters like Mickey, Minnie, Donald Duck, and beloved Disney films like Aladdin and the Lion King, but it also contains adorable products inspired by Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars character. The Disney collection is full of products to serve most of your pet's needs. So, for example, there's furniture, including, check this out, a Baby Yoda or, quote-unquote, the child pet bed, It's basically a square pet bed with a cover and it looks has a Yoda Hmm. ears. Okay, so according to people, 
they got the exclusive on the story. The bet is to keep your furry friend comfortable and get this pop cultured savvy. Mm. I, I thought that was a cool line. Mm. OK, additionally, there are more toys to be found in the Chewy's new collection. So if you are a Disney, Marvel, Star Wars or a Pixar fan, there are toys in the collection that are that both fit and kind of pay kindos to your favorite character. Like I said, as fit into your pet's play style, because every pet has to have a play style. Does he play rough? Does he play tough? Does he play gentle? I don't know, but there's a Disney toy in the Chewy collection as well as the other toy collection for you. Four, 400? 400. Four, that's like, yeah, it's unbelievable. Okay, so you guys, you got to check the whole line out at Chewy.com. And the Disney collection, so you know, contains leashes, collars, and plenty of adorable apparel. I think there's a few people in your office who like Disney, so, mm-hmm. but I don't think they have dogs. Oh, well, too bad, so sad. Until they had children, they'd go every weekend. Yeah, I know. You must pay them a lot. They can hit Disney every week. They get, okay. they get the, the Florida tickets, the Florida, the Florida yes. monthly. Yes. You know, I've lived in Florida for like eight years. I've never been to Disney. That's not good. It's a great place it's your to own go. fault. You never took me. OK, oh, so it. so now let's bring on our next guest. March is National Pet Poison Prevention Month. It's a good time to review the dangers of accidental pet poisonings and how to prevent them. And joining us today to talk about Poison Prevention Month is veterinarian Dr. Tina Wismer, the medical director of the ASPCA, Animal Poison Control Center. That's the APCC. Dr. Wismer, we always look forward to one of your guest appearances on the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. Thank you. It's always fun to have you here, Dr. Tina. So why is it important to be aware of potential harmful products to the pets that you use in your home? You already mentioned it, prevention, right? You know, we want to prevent harm to our animals. Some things are pretty obvious, right? Cleaning products, medications, but other things we may not recognize at first, like human food. So prevention to help your animal and also prevention to help your wallet, right? Because poisonings can be expensive. Hey, that's a good point. And one thing that we always like to talk about on the Pet Buzz is spending your money wisely and not being foolish when it comes to your pets. Because those bills, as you know, Dr. Fleck personally, can really add up. Right, Dr. Tina? Yes. Yeah, she's also embarrassing me when she talks about human food, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mm. the uh, I love to throw cheese. That's what should be your middle name. I love to throw Cheeto. Is it Cheez-Its or Cheetos? Cheez-Its. Do do as I say, not as I do. Okay, yeah. Mm. So Dr. Fleck is normal, just like our listening audience. Mm, Okay. So I'm just curious, what is the number one reason that pet owners call the ASPCA's poison control hotline? So looking at our numbers from last year, it's over-the-counter medications. These are going to be things like pain medications, right? Ibuprofen, acetaminophen, but also things that we may not think of as medications like multivitamins or, you know, vitamin D, things we take to keep ourselves healthy, but in an overdose situation for our pets can be deadly. Wow. Who would think like, you know, the vitamins, I would never think about the vitamins. I'm surprised that that is one of the top things to be concerned with. So what what about human medication? So we also think about prescription medications. And not only do people accidentally drop pills, they may accidentally give their pet their own medication 
or they may give access, right? They leave the pill sitting out of the counter or they leave their purse on the floor and the dog or cat can get into the entire bottle of pills. You know what I think is really interesting? That people store their human and pet medication together, which I think is absolutely crazy because once or twice I was about to take a pill and I and then I actually looked at it and I'm thinking, oh, that's not my medication. Have you ever done that? No. Okay. Well, because you're a doctor. Well, I don't take that much <laughs> medication. Uh, okay. But, but you know, doctor, it, it's so relevant that you say that as a practitioner, you know, we have to have people tell the truth when they come in with their pets. How many times do we have to drag that information out of them? You that, pull me right that, back out. That they accidentally left their pills down and the dog ate them. We have to go through like a half an hour of discussion with them to try to discover that. So just the integrity of when you go to the vet, if this happens, please let us know that, right? Makes it much easier to treat them. Yes. Yes. Should be a truthful session. Truthful, please. Okay. So Easter is right around the corner. And I have to tell you, I've already bought my chocolate Easter bunnies. Mm. Is chocolate still a big concern with pet owners? It is. If we look at the number of animals that get into chocolate, it just seems to go up every year. And we always think about dogs and chocolate. Um, they love it and they have no off button. So they're going to eat that entire pan of brownies, right? They're going to eat the whole chocolate cake and they certainly can get themselves into trouble. And it's not only during like Easter or Valentine's Day, it's really all year long, correct? It is, it is. But Easter is definitely one of the chocolate holidays. Okay. And if they deprive me of that chocolate cake, I'll be very upset. Well, I think when I give out my Easter baskets, because I make Easter baskets for my loved ones, pretty, pretty much my friends. So I'm going to put a warning label in. Maybe I'll just put the ASPCA poison control hotline That's it. number That's in there. That's what we should do. I think yeah. I'll do that. Okay. 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 We got veterinary products. What are the big reasons that veterinary products cause big problems for pet owners? Ah, uh, mm -hmm. we make it easy as veterinarians to give your dog a pill or your cat a pill. We make them tasty. That also means that if you leave access to these medications, they will eat the entire bottle or the entire package. Yeah, a lot of times people I notice when I go to friends' houses, they leave like the chewables, like the neck guard, all that stuff on the table, right? And the mm -hmm. pets can very easily paw it and it's tasty. So why mm -hmm. not just chew the whole box, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like a dog, not like myself. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like Lay's potato chips. You just can't eat one. <laughs> okay, so what else should we be wary of regarding our pets? Yes. So as we know, last year was the year of COVID. So we did have some changes. Wait, Dr. Tina, it's still another year <laughs> of COVID. I know. Sorry. So we did have some kind of changes in what we were seeing. Of course, there were a lot of animals being exposed to cleaning products, right? We all, if we could find them, bought the disinfecting wipes and those type of things. Cats, very helpful. Uh, when you're cleaning, right? So people would wipe the counter, the cat would hop up there and, you know, and be exposed by grooming their paws. So always keep your pets away when you're cleaning. The other thing we noticed is that people started doing more gardening. So, and having little indoor plants. Succulents are like the hottest thing in the world. Fortunately for dogs and cats, it's only mild stomach upset when they eat them. But 
really a huge increase in the number of calls of pets eating succulents. Wow. Well, just to remind everyone, that was Dr. Tina Wismer, the medical director of the ASPCA Poison Control Center. That's APCC. Thank you. Okay, so up next, see what dog breed is rising up to gain the Labrador as the most popular dog in America. Also, we're answering your your cat questions in our next segment. So we want you to stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Ever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. I'm tetrandologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to say it all the time. We're urban. Suburban. And and country. And now, pet buzz news from around the globe. Welcome back. We're going to do a little talk, a little global pet news. So you're never going to believe this. Guess which breed of dog is rising up. Mm. With what I say every day, I would say a particular breed, but I'm going to let you tell me. Okay. Well, it's the Frenchies. That's it. Or the French Bulldog. That's it. They came in second only to the Labrador Retriever, which has been the the favorite of uh, for 30 straight years on the AKC list, the latest rankings. Okay. So regarding the Frenchie celebrity owners, like from Martha Stewart, Lady Gaga, of course, we heard mm-hmm. the, the big news and we actually covered it last week about her dogs getting stolen to Dwayne, the Rock Johnson have given the breed a lot of exposure and it's compact size, moderate exercise needs and really no fuss coat and rather, I would say, comic demeanor, make it a big hit with dog seekers. Okay, so the AKC rankings reflect the relative numbers of purebred, mainly puppies that were added to the oldest U.S. dog registry year after year, year after year. So after Labrador Retrievers and French Bulldogs, the top 10 breeds include the German Shepherd, Golden Retrievers, Bulldogs, Poodles, Beagles, Rottweilers, German Shorthaired Pointers, and Dachshunds actually made the top 10 for the first time since 2013. I can certainly recognize that in the practice. We're seeing tons of dachshunds too, but doesn't it make sense with COVID people would want maybe smaller pets rather than the larger ones. And maybe after COVID is over, we will see a change. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a German shepherd has always been a popular dog. Golden retrievers, of course, poor Hannah. We just lost our Hannah. They're always popular. They're easy. They're big, good family dogs. Bulldog, same thing, you know, a great family dog. Poodles, 
other than the grooming, which can be expensive. And uh, beagles are another great family dog. We all love Snoopy. Rottweilers, very, very popular. Not for me, per se, but I like them. I really like them a lot. But, the, but, the, but the lap dog is what I think people are identifying with when they're looking for that partnership. Yeah, but now people are really want to get out. They want to get walking. And I think it's we're seeing like these big dogs. A dachshund's a nice dog because mm -hmm. it does have, you know, a big personality. It's not necessarily a lap dog, but it's not. It's not a huge dog. And I call that my doorbell ringing dog because you ring the doorbell. They don't stop barking for at least 15 minutes. Did you have dachshunds? Um, my family did. Oh, OK. Yeah, I've never had a dachshund at all. I mean, I've now, you know, Sue Plants, who, who breeds our English toys, she also has uh, wire hair dachshunds. Mm -hmm. She breeds those. She's been was secretary for the wire hair dachshund in Pennsylvania from Western Pennsylvania for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, just not my kind of dog. I love them. Love them all. They're great dogs. All three varieties, but just not a dog I see myself having. Yeah, you just have your favorites. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I think we all do. Okay. I want to let you guys know, we love hearing from you, especially when you write us in with questions. So today we're going to focus in on our cat lovers. So I want you to know we heard you, cat lovers, and we are going to be answering your questions. And we reached out to our favorite cat expert. Our favorite cat expert. Our favorite, yes. Uh -huh. And joining us today is certified cat behaviorist and author Beth Edelman. Beth is a regular guest on the Pet Buzz, and we are always happy to have her share her feline insights. Beth, welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Thank you so much. It's so nice to see you both. So, Beth, we collected all these questions from our cat lovers, right? Yes, yes. And we thought you would be the best person to answer them. Better than us. Better than us. <laughs> okay, so what's the first question? Well, the first question, first one, was Melissa from Florida. She posed this question. What does it mean if my cat bites me while I'm petting it? Well, it means your cat's had enough. Um, cats, cats have proximity issues. They do. So... They're going from this, I love this, I love this, I love this, and suddenly, <laughs> I hate this, right? They love being petted, and then suddenly they're overloaded. So what you need to do is when you're watching your pet, don't be watching TV or talking on the phone or talking to a friend or anything else at the same time. So when you're petting, pay attention. And you're always going to see, if you pay attention, you're going to see a little bit of a signal before you get to the bite. It might be something really obvious, like a sound or the tail starts thumping or the ear positions change, but it might be really subtle too, like a little tightening of the neck muscles or a ripple of the skin, or sometimes the cat's whiskers come forward. So it could be really subtle. Body language is key. So you want to look at that body language. You see any change in the body language, even something really small, just stop. Just take your hands away. Now we got you covered. Now you know what to do. Yes. Okay. So John from Minnesota wrote that he recently heard that cats should be fed once a day. What's that all about? So that was a study that came out. And the purpose of that study was to find out what kind of diet would help cats to lose weight in the most effective way. That was the only purpose of that study. And they did find that once a day feeding was very helpful in that. And they they actually looked into that because studies have been done on people losing weight that have also found that eating one meal a day can be helpful. But we all know that there's a name for that, which is fad diet, okay? And fad diets, while they can 
be very effective in losing weight are not very helpful for keeping us happy and satisfied. And so cat behaviorists and veterinary behaviorists have looked at that study and said, while that study may be effective for helping cats to lose weight, it's not effective in the long run for keeping cats behaviorally healthy and sound. And so we still um, all agree that the best and most natural way to feed cats is several small meals a day. If you want your cat to lose weight, then several smaller meals a day and also increased exercise. So that's the same way that we lose weight and keep it off. Eat a little less, move a little more. Eat a little less, Dr. Fleck. You move tons, so you don't need to move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, you had a last question. I do. Yeah, Justin from California, he wants to know a good question. The adoption time during COVID, was there as many cats as dogs? Oh, yeah. See, I mean, we all read about the dogs, but the truth is that a lot of cats have been adopted as well. Um, shelters across the country have been reporting that they have no cats and no dogs available for adoption, which is a good thing. I mean, this is what we're all hoping for, right, is that every cat and dog gets a home. I actually foster it here in New York where I live and we've been bringing cats up. I foster with a cats only group. We've been bringing cats up from the South where they do still have cats available for adoption and we, but not enough homes. We've been bringing cats up from the South um, and we're bringing up between 40 and 60 cats a month and they're all getting adopted within two months. I will just say that, that, you know, if you're home from COVID now and you think, oh, I'd love to have a cat or dog now, but I'm not sure when I go back to work that it would work. It's good that you're thinking that, first of all. And second of all, then think about fostering because that's a short-term commitment. If you think, oh, I'd like to have a dog or a cat in my house just for now, just for a while. Think about fostering. If you fall in love, you can adopt the pet you fostered. Yeah. And if you fall in love, but not into commitment, <laughs> they'll be adopted. Well, everyone, that was certified cat behaviorist, Beth Edelman, good friend of the show. Always have fun to have her. Great advice. And she's funny, too. <laughs> funny, funny. About OK. OK, everybody, that's a wrap. OK, Dr. Fleck, as you know, it's that time. Oh, what do you mean? It's that time. It's that time. We got to wrap the show. Oh, my gosh. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about dog health. Oh, there's always more dog health oh, topics. Beth would love this. Vegan cat diets. V I know. Vegan cat diets. New study. And more of our favorite pet products. Got a, we got to love. We love those pet products. There's so many of them. And actually, you know, Global Pet Expos come into town. It's virtual. That's right. Yeah. That's anyway, right. Uh, and we got to thank our guests. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Alex Benjamin, Dr. Tina Wismer, and Beth Edelman. And the great Beth Edelman. And the great Beth Edelman. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets, everyone. We encourage you to use that code, the Pet Buzz, because you're going to get 25% off on the great sprays, shampoos, uh, supplements, and of course, sunscreen. Sunscreen coming up. Yeah. And if you have any questions, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. And of course, we'll cover it on next week's show. Yes, we will. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels. You know, Google Play, right. SoundCloud, iTunes, and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you.
Take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. I love two things, sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddies can be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com.